Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Today, we are going to be talking about, uh, I think it's one of the probably the biggest topic in tech right now, which is chat GPT and AI, which is a, a, it's a very exciting topic. I think Rochelle, we were talking about it a little bit before uh, recording and chat GPT is, I mean, I, I hear about it like every day now, like every day, something good or bad is coming out of it. And I think like for the most part, it's, it's, it's mostly good. Like, I think it's a good technology, but it's a very, uh, scary technology and sort of one of the newer pieces that I don't think we've talked about yet is chat GPT released a new version uh last week or the week before chat GPT 4 <laughs> which is I don't think we ever saw chat GPT 1 or 2 I think we only got uh chat GPT jet chat GPT 3 which I feel like they also need a better uh, marketing department because chat GPT is not a good name. Right. Especially if it does it like the question is, where would you go find it? Right. So you can go Google it, click on the link. You got to log in and do all of those different things, you know, yeah. and I think that like Google and all these other things, chat GPT is constantly collecting your data <laughs> and massaging it into that bigger data set that is, whomever owns it, it says it's open source, but I am sure somebody's getting that data. Right, right. It is not open source at all. I've never seen any, I won't say I've never seen any source code for it, but they did, the majority of it is not source, is not open source. Like it's not something you can download and run at home on your computer. However, uh, this is sort of off topic, but I did see that the Facebook version, which is called Llama, that did leak out and while it is not open source uh there are ways to run like those models locally on your computer which uh i find very interesting but it's also uh pretty illegal so (laughs) not i I, I would like to add a a marginalized community to chat gpt so that you know as a black person i can search it and find something that's relevant, but to actually have it so it knows, like one, it knows the different accents or tones in our voice, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, like, it's been talked about for a long time about code switching among races, right? So when you're wrong, your friends and family, you talk one way. When you're at work, you talk another way. But one of the things that's happened to language is how it's been condensed, right? So in- instead, uh, can I go outside? Uh, or can I get something to eat? You know, we run those words together. So can I, C-A-N-N-A, can I, you know, like who, who knew that? Or, you know, like where words are lost in the common vernacular, if you're not familiar with it. So I was talking to someone, I went to Charlotte to see Everett over the weekend. And I was talking to someone that had an extreme Southern drawl. I mean, really, really deep Southern drawl. And I swear to God, I think I got every other word that she said because I couldn't understand what she was saying. Oh, yeah. And I thought about that among Black people and Brown people. So Brown people typically speak their language when they're at home, you know, whatever their native tongue is. Whereas we have used English to suit ourselves, right? So I can make a, a sentence out of something that 
helps me interact with my family and they know what I'm talking about. Whereas if I were to have that conversation with you, you'd be looking at me like, what the hell, Rochelle, where are you going with it? You know, so so the fact that we can speak all these different ethnicities into language, mm-hmm. chat GBT needs to be able to adapt to that. So like, if you can go back and remember Google's facial recognition software, right? When it first saw a black people, it person, it put up a gorilla. Right. So that GPT needs to make sure it doesn't make that mistake because it's growing so fast and it's learning so much. I mean, um, what was the um, the um, oh, it's old, old commercial where this big old moss looking thing was gobbling up machines? I think it was in a movie or something. It was just gobbling up little machines around. Chat GPT is doing that to other search engines. It's just really shredding, you know, and, and I would say, you know, we made Google a verb. Right. You can yeah. Google it. I, I Googled it, you know, whatever. And so we're going to get to the place where we're going to do that with chat GPT or whatever the AI is that comes from that. I mean, you know, someone may wake up and say chat GPT is not sufficient or it's proprietary or whatever it is. And they're going to create their own. But there needs to be some part of it where it understands diversity in a way different than just meaning male, female, young, old, white, black, blue, green, you know, that thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the things that I think is interesting that uh, we sort of have here on our list of things is like the difference between AI and machine learning. And, you know, and and excuse me for interrupting, but, you know, that's really interesting. I'm a technician and I knew of machine learning before I associated with AI. And mm-hmm. now they are almost the same. They're not exactly the same, but they're almost the same. Yeah. And what, like, what are the differences that you see between the two? Because when I think about it, I don't really know that I can verbalize the difference. Like, I get that they're different things, but I don't really, like, if you were to ask me for, like, specifics, I don't know that I really could say, like, what falls in AI and what falls in machine learning. Well, we'll consider this, and and maybe the Internet of Things may be the regulator in this, right? So Internet of Things is sort of an AI, right? Mm -hmm. So it's learning from your machines, you know, how many eggs you have in your refrigerator. Drew, how many eggs do you have in your refrigerator? (laughs) Good question. Ask your refrigerator how many (laughs) eggs you have. But, but, you know, it's learning and it's constantly learning in the process. But when you think about pure AI... It is simply giving a device that has a brain, i.e. a motherboard with a motherboard chip or some kind of OS chip. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's got to have the ability to communicate, call in applications as it needs to. So pure AI, whereas machine learning, and you expect your responses from AI to be perfect or very, very correct. Whereas machine learning, you have that curve where the machine is learning. It hasn't right. mastered everything yet where you're assuming AI has the machine is still learning. If you right. think of IBM Big Blue and its original uh, iteration, it was really machine learning. It they right. fed everything they could into that machine for it to come up results. And, and you know, do you remember the Jeopardy episode where oh, they, yeah. the guy who won against the Watson, Watson, yeah. and 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 the results. That's a perfect example of machine learning, right? You could see it where the machine was not as smart as the guy and then it became smarter than the guy, right? So that's machine learning. Whereas artificial intelligence, so if you take chat GPT, and although chat GPT is still growing, if you were to ask it something, you would expect it to to give you a correct response and the response to have, if not sources, somewhere you can prove that this is true. Whereas machine learning, you don't expect that immediately in in that application. 
Uh, that makes sense. That it reminds me of a sort of old joke where uh, people are talking about how t- talking about machine learning and you say like, hey, you know, robot, what's two plus two? And the robot says uh, 573. And then you say, no, two plus two is four. And the robot says, oh, OK, two plus two is four. Yeah. And like, that's sort of what machine learning is, is, you know, it doesn't know how to do that stuff. But once you tell it what everything is, that it, you know, it knows and it can, you know, extrapolate and all that. Right. And that's where you get the curve to artificial intelligence, right? So once it becomes a sure source, you know that the answer it's going to give you is probably pretty reliable. But I have to ask you something, Joe. I tried to do this last night. I was going to send you a message last night. I could not figure out how to do it. There is this great commercial. It's a Spectrum commercial. And it's uh, the owner of the house has brought in another technology into the house. And all the devices go crazy. Oh, my God, we're going to die. We can't handle this anymore. It's too much in our network. I love that yeah. commercial because that's reality. You know, <laughs> that That's coming to a house near you if it isn't already there. And what's really funny is the thermostat thing. When uh, it's, when the, the source said, hey, we're overloaded. We can't handle this. And since we're going to die, the thermostat turns the household thermostat to 512 degrees. I'm like, that is just the greatest. And so while that might be comical, it's frightening too. Yeah. I mean, I get frightened when I see new devices on our network. Like, and, you know, we're not getting them a lot, but every now and then I'll get a little message saying like, hey, this new phone joined. And I'm like, oh yeah, James has a friend over it. They just like, you know, joined to the thing. But at the same time, it's like, what are they doing on this network? Like, We've got enough junk on our network already. Why do we need this one extra thing? And it's right. and then and when you think about it, what is it capturing and what is it doing with it? Right. Yeah. So the Internet of Things, great, great concept, you know. But anything you can't control makes you vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and you can't control everything. So we 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 have to at least acknowledge that. But within your network. You said parameters. So do you use WPA or WPA2 or what kind of mm-hmm. security do you use? You know, what do you know about your network? And so when things are joining your network and everything wants Wi-Fi, I have four TVs now that have Wi-Fi. What's really amazing about that is when I go from one room to the other, the damn program I was watching in this room follows me over there. I'm like, <laughs> is the program watching me and watching my movements? It might I be. <laughs> I doubt it. But still, you know, and that's to me like what's so frightening about these technologies. You know, I'm excited for Chat GPT. I would love to see how you could apply Chat GPT to the concept of support, right? So yeah. just imagine about that. So I call you up, Drew. My my uh I can't get into my laptop. Uh I forgot my my encryption password. You know, I don't know where to go look. What can I do as an alternative? You know, all these list of oh, things yeah. up at somebody's support desk, right? Could chat GPT immediately say uh, your password was last saved on this date and it can be found in this folder? Yeah. You know, yeah. and 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 here's what you need to do to get around this. Or here's what you need to tell the technician when you call. So yeah. streamlining the process for the technician. So in other words, just told them that you changed your password, where the password is. So you got that information. So now all you do is pick up the phone or text the tech guy and say, hey, I, I can't get in and here's what I think I need to do. Can you walk me through it? Yeah. Which is, you know, one streamlining the intelligence of the end user and helping the tech person be give a faster or accurate response as opposed to taking days. It might take hours, maybe even mm-hmm. minutes, you know, depending on how you refine that. Yeah. One thing that, uh, and that makes me think of the, 
so OpenAI is like pretty heavily integrated with uh, Microsoft. And I was reading that Microsoft wants to do things like as they're integrating it into the Office suite, uh, which also includes the Microsoft teleconferencing thing, like they want to be able to summarize meetings for you using OpenAI. So, you know, if you're having a meeting with somebody, you're both talking, the talk can be converted to text. And then OpenAI can take that text and say, oh, well, here's what I think you were saying. And like, that seems really useful to me. Like, maybe it's not going to be 100% right, but it's something that I could at least look at and sort of read through and think like, yes, that's right. Or most of it's right, except for this bit. Let me correct it. Uh, and the other side of me says, uh, if I actually start doing that, I'm never actually going to proofread it. I'm just going to take it and assume that it is correct. And like, you know, if it's making assumptions, those assumptions may be better than my memory of the meeting. <laughs> so. And and I think that, you know, going back to our, our little list of things to talk about, like, I think that in, in the grand scheme of things, it's what we always say, right? So technology is a blessing and a curse at the exact same time. And it's never far apart from either pole, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a blessing or a curse at any given time. And we become, we talked about this just most recently. We become so reliant on technology. Can you read a map? I cannot read a map. I can still spell. And I really don't appreciate Google spelling and typing for me. So I'm just like, hello, Drew. And, and I hit the return. It says, how are you today? Like, is that what I normally say to Drew? Is How do you know I want to say that? You know, so it's yeah. got that sentence. And then I say, oh, I want to talk about this. And it'll tell me when I want to talk about it. And, and the problem with these things is they are tremendous helps, right? They, they're great aids for our life, mm -hmm. but they take away, and it's like everything, right? So if you eat candy, if you eat a lot of candy, I do, but mm -hmm. I'm only trying to get well, so I eat a lot of candy. There's a trade-off, right? So I might get the calories, but I'm also, you know, doing something to my body and a lot of sugar is not good for you, right? Mm -hmm. So everything in technology is the exact same way. It has pluses and it has minus. So thank God for Microsoft Office and all the pieces and parts. But on the other side of that, you know, now if I spell a word in the middle of typing a sentence, it automatically corrects the word. Yeah. I might have meant to misspell the word, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being facetious now. But, you know, looking at Zoom. So when we look at Zoom now, all the uh, Microsoft Office uh, icons are on the side of it. You know, you've got something down there that shows captions so you can capture the mm -hmm. conversation. The question is, is who's getting that data and what are they doing with it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like right now it's that answer is not good because the answer is, you know, the, I don't know if I want to say big brother companies, but I mean, it probably is big brother companies like Microsoft and Facebook, and they want to collect that and monetize it <clears throat> as opposed to the open source culture, what would be, which would be, you know, give us the code, we'll run it, we'll do what we want with it. Uh, you know, sorry. But but the inputs you receive from programs you develop or programs you write, mm -hmm. do you capture that data and use it for future development or do you capture it for to understand how behaviors are, how people behave with this technology? And I've asked a lot of people that question, you know, like if you wrote a program and you got the output, so you said every Monday, I want everybody to send me a report of whether this program application ran successfully. So all these people that in your in your team. So everybody has to send you something. And so you collected the data from the users. And then you, your team, you know, pulls in their parts and then they send it to you, Drew, here's what we've captured for the week of this thing here. Mm -hmm. And so based on that data, 
do you then use that data for future development? Do you use the data for purposes of understanding uh, human behavior? Or do you use that data for the purpose of understanding the values that we are putting in these applications? So in other words, if you've got, you know, like, let's just say you've got a big program and I'm on your team, Dan is on your team, all these people, and each of us have a responsibility for a piece of it. We don't have the whole, mm -hmm. you own the whole thing, but we all have a little piece. And so based on that, they say, oh, well, we can eliminate Rochelle from this. We don't need that because we can automate that process. Or the data says that it, that process is not used a lot. So what I, I guess where I'm going with that is like how companies like Microsoft and Apple and all these others make decisions about the data that they are able to access and how they access that data and for what purpose. So I would think that right now, at least Microsoft is probably focused on making the app better. Like, I don't think that there, I mean, there probably is some stuff that they can monetize in there or some stuff about human behavior that they're trying to get out. And this is just like a total assumption on my part, <clears throat> but I feel like it's so early right now. They're still trying to get all those details worked out. Like, I think, like, honestly, like to for chat GPT to like uh, truly thrive, they've got to make it so that chat GPT is not falling in love with journalists. <laughs> like that was sort of the scary thing. Uh, I think it was a new, was it New York times had a column about uh, when they, I think it was chat GPT four, not three. Uh, one of the journalists got early access to it and was talking to it. Uh, at just asking random things. And eventually chat GPT started like expressing love for the journalist and saying that it wants to be human, be like in a romantic relationship with the person. And it's like, I don't know if you're doing that, like that's, that's not a, that's not a great product. That's gonna, I feel like that's going to freak people out too much. It's, it's going, it's going too far. And I, I feel like they have to really like rein in those safety bits a bit more first, which is, you know, another thing we wanted to talk about is like the safety and security of AI. Cause I think OpenAI has done a good attempt at putting in uh, safeguards, like specifically around self-harm. Like they try and they won't try and give you like answers that will result in harm to you as a person. They try, they don't always succeed. Like there's still ways to get around that and sort of game the system. And I, I feel like they need to really rein all of that in before it can be a true product they can like really, really monetize. And the scary thing to me there is like, okay, well maybe Microsoft wants to be good and like not tell people how to do self-harm. But what about the next chat robot that comes up by some random company that may not have, uh, may not be thinking about ethics and may not be thinking about bias and all of that? Like, you know, you can accidentally make an incredibly biased AI with no safety precautions. What happens when someone does that on purpose, right? Right. Or in 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 the in the event we were talking about health earlier, but in the event that. Um you know, someone uses this for, against you for your health, or, you know, an employer can discriminate against you, you know, collect all, like, your identity, and most of us think of identity in, in, in little small terms, but if you think about your bigger identity, your social media, your work, all of these different places that are your identity, if you mm -hmm. think about that in the grand scheme, someone were to aggregate all that data, oh my god, you know, you could yeah. really be, you know, in harm's way, and yeah. I think that 
what I haven't heard anybody talk about is the security of AI and chat GPT. I rarely hear that discussed. Yeah. And it's hard to get security on non-AI stuff, correct? Like it's hard to get security just on those zeros and ones, right? And now we're talking about, you know, human language. And like you were just talking about before, code switching. That's not something I'd ever really thought about for uh, chat GPT, like, or any sort of AI thing is everybody like talks differently. <laughs> right. And, and our accents, our dialects, where we're from, you know, all these different things. And then you add the nuances of, 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 of your family, your traditions, things about that. But 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 I have this question. So I understand practically why things like uh, ChatGPT and other AI tools are relevant in the small term. What's what's the benefit of AI to to big companies like Duke or like IBM or all these things? Is it for the purpose of what? What's the reason? I don't even know how to even frame my question. I think it's a tool. I think it's a really cool tool that can make people. <laughs> more productive or eliminate the need for as many people to be productive like uh you know it's two sides of the same coin like i almost think of it as like a code editor right like we have a it's a really nice code editor for technologists if you wanted to you know use something like that yeah. i don't think that it completely replaces uh a human being coder but it gets like pretty close <laughs> Like you still need someone to do the prompts. You still need someone to like have the creativity to know what they want or what they don't want. Uh, but then instead of, you know, usually you have a person thinking of all that and then a person writing it out and then, you know, a person testing it. Well, now the person just needs to think about it. And then the machine can do the writing out and the testing and everything else. So, it, you know, I hate to say it improves productivity because while it does, it also probably... Uh, frees up time from developers, which means you may not need as many developers. <laughs> and that's where I was going next. So there has been a lot of discussion on the dark part of this. And I say dark parts, like little side chats on mm -hmm. uh, different websites, Medium and Reddit and all that stuff about the replacing of human beings, like uh, a tool like ChatGPT and other such tools as they're coming onto the market will eventually replace the need for high-end technologists, people who have specialized skills and, and abilities. Is that really where we want to go? Or is that just a byproduct? And and do you believe that AI technologies such as ChatGPT and other things like this will replace human beings in technology roles? I don't think that it will completely replace humans. Like if I think about it being like a carpenter analogy, like there's like, well, I don't know. Does carpentry have like really advanced tools? I mean, I guess they sort of do, but they we still use hammers. <laughs> yeah, but the question, so think about that though. That's a very good point. So you just bought yourself a cabinet and it's come in the mail in pieces. Yeah. And they've sent you a piece of paper that tells you how many pieces came and what goes to what. And let's just say for some reason you're in the middle of looking at it and your dog chews it and runs away with it and destroys the paper. What now? Yeah. Right. So where do yeah. you turn? So you could ask chat GPT, well, I bought this cabinet. Here's these things and it will tell you how to put it together. Yeah. So do we need a carpenter? You know, right. can it build that? Can it build a house? You know, and that's the part where you get to the gray part where you physically need a person and when you have technology or some other solution that's not a person. So right now, at least I, I don't think so. You could correct me if I'm wrong. AI cannot build a house physically. 
it, right. you, know, you could you could integrate robotics into it so that it could do this. So you could write the program to build a house, how many square feet and all the things it needs, and you could have the ro robot execute it. Yeah. But or do you agree that we still need a human being to make sure the house isn't sideways or, you know, the yes. concrete was, you know, test, you know, and I'm sure if you told chat GPT or whatever the tool is, all of these things, and then it fed it into the robot, it could execute that with probably a finer grain of skill than say a human would in terms for the logistic part, but actually the structural part, you probably need a human. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I like thinking about like if a human were to if a chat GPT were to describe a human being, like it may not know that we have two legs. It may say, "Oh, you have two vertical tires that are shaped like fleshy poles," right? Yeah. Like it just doesn't know. It doesn't know the context of what a leg like really is. You know, it's like, oh, it's this fleshy human. Most things, you know, move around on tires. Humans must run around on tires, but these tires aren't round. They they're shaped like uh, you know links of sausage with a knee in the middle of it. <laughs> but you know, um, Watson got around that. You know the the shortcomings of human beings and what they are. You know, so it was able to discern that they are intelligent beings with varying levels of intelligence, and that's the part to me that is really scary because yeah. a machine trying to tell you who's the smart and who should exist and who shouldn't and so we can all go back to all those movies from this 80s about artificial intelligence wiping out the human population yeah. it's not so far-fetched now it's not yeah. so you know maybe we're smart enough not to give technology that ability ability going back to my favorite movie of all time what is it drew more <laughs> games yeah they could not unplug it they could not do anything but allow it to run its process. Hopefully yeah. we are not designing programs that are like that, that can supersede us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great point because like we all have flaws, biases, like just flaws in general. And like all that stuff is going into these things. Like no one's, no one is perfect and nothing that we make is going to be perfect. Even like, you know, pre-AI, I think a lot of computer complaints were, you know, a computer is annoying because it does exactly what you tell it to do, right. not because it does what you want it to do. <laughs> exactly. Well, that makes perfectly good sense. I know we're running out of time, but I would just like to ask, we talk about this in a lot of ways in our chats about free. So I, Rochelle, cannot go out and create my own chat GPT, correct? Correct. But I could pony onto someone else's chat GPT and add my my thoughts to it or my concept yes. to it. So what's to stop people from using these technologies to take advantage of people who have free things like social media and Gmail and all these things? What's to stop someone from doing it? And I know the answer to this, but are there safeguards that we can put in place that pr protects what we recognize as our own identity? I think there are safeguards that we, and by we, I mean like the people making the open AI or the artificial intelligence bits, like they can, but it's very hard, right? Like, should we say, or should they say like, let's just not look at Facebook. Like, I think that's a fair thing for AI is to not, you know, dig into Facebook history because that has so much information about individuals. Well, what about TikTok? Well, what about uh their google profile Instagram or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly like there's going to be 
you know, there's not a set number of these things that have personal information on it. And it's a hard line to draw between saying like, well, you know, they probably want some sort of personal information in there, right? Like that may benefit them and you as a person if you have a little bit of customization around uh, the results you're getting back. Like, you know, if I'm a vegetarian, which I'm not, but if I was and was looking for, you know, uh, meals to to prepare, maybe it would be nice if uh, ChatGPT already knew that I was a vegetarian and wasn't going to want to, you know, give me a bunch of steak recipes. Uh, and I don't, I don't know how they would, I don't know how you find that balance really. Like it almost seems like I can't even say all or nothing because I don't think that you, it'll ever be nothing like bits of your personality or bits of your personal data are in so many spots. Now it seems like that would be impossible to, to rein back in. And, you know, the federal government has talked, been talking a lot about TikTok and the data they collect. So we've known forever these free things collect our data. We know that everything that you have is free and even things are not free. So if you go to a website and ask you about cookies, you know, you have to tell it you want, you allow cookies or you can reject it. And most people get stuck in their rejection part. I can't tell you how many times I talk to people about rejecting cookies, right? You can reject all, you can set preference. There is one cookie that most sites run that you cannot reject, but, but for the rest of them, you can opt out, right? So you don't want your name displayed or whatever. It might be your location or whatever. But 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 when you think about the future of technology, that's a broad topic. You know, there's been so much discussion about whether technology is its own industrial revolution or some kind of revolution, you know, mm -hmm. who knows. But I think we are being very careless with these technologies that we're bringing on, that we're allowing it to be in our lives and take a like, you know, you have to be vigilant. You have to do your due diligence. You cannot just accept a fact that, so, you know, everybody knows that, you know, half the stuff on the internet is fake or not real, right? I said that, and that's not a true statement because not everybody knows that. People believe, you know, five people were killed in a car accident and one was found in the trunk. That's out on the internet. Somebody believes that and runs with it, right? So, but mm -hmm. that's also true of tools like chat GPT, right? So is crawling the internet, crawling these things, finding all this information. And how does it weed out what's not true? Or does it have that capability to recognize things that may or may not be accurate? I don't think that it does. I, I mean, I think it's it's reasoning on what's true and what's not true is probably going to depend on like how often it sees it and how reliable or unreliable uh, those sources are, which can be very uh, subjective. Like truth in itself may not be subjective, but the reporting of truth could be completely subjective. In fact, we got 2016 where half we know is fake news now. We don't even know what we know. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah. but stay in that vein though, Drew, like you can make something false true. You know, if I say, you know, um, a car ran over my curb and killed my rose bush, mm -hmm. that might not be a fact right now, but I can go out there and run over my own curb and kill my own rose bush and it might become a fact. So yeah. maybe I'm arguing a truth that's not true today, but it's a truth that will be true at some point. And the yeah. question is, so tools like ChatGPT, so let's just say ChatGPT uh, Googled accidents and it got a litany of, of different kinds of accidents. But one accident kept showing up was car accidents. So it's going to report that car accidents happen more in this zip code. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is that true? 
Or is it what you just said, how often it occurs, right? So if you Google 27704 and there are a lot of accidents and you keep Googling it, you eventually make 27704 a place where accidents occur. Yeah. Is it a fact or not? And because the information is some things you can't verify the source, some things you can't con confirm that this is accurate. So yeah. what happens when truth looks like truth, but it's not truth? technology yeah i mean that's what we have i think we have i mean i think that is like proliferated on the internet right now right like we think a lot of traffic accidents here oh well this site thinks it has a lot of traffic accidents so i'm going to report that as well and you know so are these other sites and you know all of a sudden you have a hundred sites all saying the same thing that may have originated from an untrue source and all of that gets you know sort of lost to time right and if you think about law in the general sense, they base their criminal law on things they can substantiate facts, right? Yeah. And I think that we have in technology a problem with understanding what is a fact. Because if the source came from, let's just say Drew said today is Tuesday. Can we verify that? Go look at the calendar and it says today is Tuesday. You go across the street and it's Wednesday or down the block is, but Everybody said today is Tuesday. So is today Tuesday? So you can argue that that's not a truth because in China, it's not Tuesday. Uh, in someplace else, it's not Tuesday. So you can't mm -hmm. argue a fact that you may have a valid source for, but it may not be a truth everywhere. And yeah. the questions in these programs have to ask, how do you authenticate what you're saying to be factual, right? So my last little comment so you get all these medicines on tv and says these statements have not been authenticated by the fda but it's it's selling somebody's buying this product oh yeah and the fda has not said it's a good product so it's a truth that this product will help your psoriatic arthritis right because it's on the internet i can buy it you know so it's the truth it helps now the question is, is those reviews and feedbacks so how do you factor that in right so Sky Rizzi, I don't even know what it is, but Sky Rizzi is out there. You know, it's so it's selling. It helps cure this. Is it a fact? And then yeah. you have to go back and look at the reviews that people have given. So now if Chat GPT is learning from the reviews and the comments, maybe this doesn't help my arthritis, you know. Who knows? And I mean, there's also placebo too, where like right. it may not scientifically be doing anything for your body, but you know, because you think that it, because you it think is. that it might, that has a real effect on uh, the way that you feel. So like, you know, placebo is no joke. <laughs> right. Creating truth out of falsehoods. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think that, you know, these artificial intelligence need to be designed to remove or eliminate as much bias and discrimination out of them as it can. And two, I think that, do you have a good source of what you're getting? So let's just say if you ask, um, if I forgot my password on my iPhone, how do I get my password back? That 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 the process that it returns may be actually true. What if my phone is ten years old? Or what if I, you know, I haven't, uh, I don't have a password set on my phone. Any number of those things. Like it seems like to me that the work, the heavy lifting that is in front of artificial intelligence still requires humans to be involved to make sure that truth is truly truth, at least as much as we can verify is truth. Yes. yes. Drew, I can tell you two plus two is not equal to four. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the uh, how big the twos are. 
Well, it depends on what kind of two, right? So did you put 0. 0.02, did you point yeah. put, you know, a, a fraction, you know, you know, yeah. you, you can distort truth easily. Is it the string two? Because then it's 22. Right. That's <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed today's podcast. Feel free to send any feedback to eminentteachnology at gmail.com. And we will talk to you all soon. Thank you.